Hello, and welcome to the second episode of Love Unites Humanity, a podcast series by Lost Under Heaven. Following the recent release of Shadowboxing, we thought it would be interesting to have a discussion around the notion of shadow work. Reflecting on our own experiences, delving deep into our inner world to confront our fears, limiting beliefs and conditioning. In this episode, we have the pleasure of speaking with Monica Bravo, a Miami-based multimedia artist, a joyous, multidimensional being. Monica and I first came to know each other in 2021 through the Rebel Wisdom online community. Initially, we engaged around Richard Tarnas's important book, Cosmos and Psyche, and then from there, she endeavored to teach me the foundational understandings of evolutionary astrology and human design as tools to assist you on the path towards individuation. In the years since, she has become a close friend and mentor to both me and Ebony. I am always astounded by the wealth of knowledge and disciplines Monica is versed in, and how she synthesizes them into a forthright and practical self-sovereignty. We have spent many hours discussing the trials and tribulations found in the pursuit of self-knowledge, and how to fully utilize those unique qualities each of us are endowed with at birth to live joyful, creative, and purposeful lives. This often has brought us to the vigilant practice of self-discernment and that shadow play of bringing all that is unconscious to the light. Through our conversation with Monica today, we offer our artistic perspective and dive deep into the themes of self-awareness, taking responsibility of your projections and triggers, the release of repressed trauma and the importance of mindful embodiment and integration. Learning how the continued practice of shadowboxing can lead us to the realization of the radiant fullness of our true being that resides behind the mask of our ego persona, ever present in the eternal now. So lots to talk about. We really enjoyed this conversation with Monica and I know those with open minds and open hearts will take a lot out of it. You can access the second hour by joining our Patreon community or becoming a paid subscriber on Substack. Thank you and enjoy the show. To start us off, I was thinking, Monica, you once, in discussion of shadow and shadow work, you once provided quite an interesting definition of the shadow, putting it in a context just for people who may or may not know what we're uh, specifically getting at with the ideas that we're presenting here. All right, so hi, Ebony, hi, Ellery. Thank you so much for having me here. So everything in this universe is relational and we are electromagnetic bodies. We are vibrating at different frequencies. So any time, any given time in our lives, we are either resonating or in dissonance. So the shadow work is something that Jung, I mean, it's quite um, young, in the ter- in the sense that it was only less than a century ago when this term was uh, coined, but it's been many centuries that ancestral uh, traditions have been dealing with this idea of integrating the Trinity. So we are living in this like axis of good and bad, or you know, evil, whatever, goodness, and but this is 
always pointing us to a place where we're not being in in the now in the in the place where we are i am and so we're projecting things on others and this is really what happens is like when we create an expectation and we project our ideas into a relationship with another person another thing or another situation we create this anxiety because we're not in the now so the idea of the shadow is to become aware in time and space that we are not being in in our inside of ourselves and therefore we're creating something that is outside of ourselves and it's not happening in this specific moment so that's where the time comes now the idea of the shadow is to be able to be integrated or synthesized and that um when you become aware of that you're projecting something onto a surface like a person that you're being triggered what emerges is really when you can synthesize so I don't know if this is, um, we can go deeper into this because it has many layers, but it's basically a projection of the individual onto another surface. That's really what the shadow is. Yeah, I wanted to add something to it. Um, I think it's important to note as well that this happens on a individual level, but also on like a collective level. We have like, we have the, the individuals and kind of like humanity's shadow in that aspect. I think it's a good thing to note. Yeah, that's why I said a little bit, it's, everything is relational, so you have different kind of relationships. I'm gonna focus at the very beginning on the self, because on the I, because it is easier, and this is the steps that you have to take as an individual to integrate your shadow. And then when you start resonating in other groups, you can actually start understanding what is it like, what's the shadow of your culture? What's the shadow of your religion that you abide by, like all the laws and stuff like that. But it, it, it should, I mean, not that it should, but it is recommended to start it with the I. That's why you don't call it individuation, because it starts with the individual. And then you can start on back. But yes, you make a really good point. Uh, and especially right now, culture is like just projection shadow after shadow. Mm -mm. I mean, this is something that, uh, you know, the conversations sort of inspired to have from the song that we just released, Shadow Boxing, um, and the dynamic that we were looking at with that song was sort of the in, internal battle that one has. It doesn't necessarily need to be framed as a battle, but the kind of the uh, relationship someone has with their internal shadow, but then also how that's projected out onto the world. And, well, from my understanding, at least, the, the reason to do shadow work why it's a necessary thing i think there's this uh this great young quote that i have heard that's along the lines of the biggest social political and spiritual work an individual can do is withdraw their shadow projections from upon the world so in that sense it's like a lot of this conflict that we see in the world today is I don't know, in my mind, I always characterize it as like the dog that's chasing its tail. It's like people fighting against their own shadow projections in this ceaseless loop. And there's that sense of we keep repeating history. We don't move on. But it's because people haven't integrated or looked at what they're, they're projecting their shadow. So they scapegoat it. They put it on another. And, you know, the, the cycle continues. The sort of the, the uh, sort of slightly tragic uh, way that the human species relates is um, perpetuated. So, so that's why you know I feel shadow work is like the work, the 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 key piece in it all. Um, 
you know, there's many aspects, but it's a very key piece. Yeah. Um, like that's why for instance, in, I, I come from a tradition. I, I, I did some studies with the Taoist teacher many years ago, 20 years ago, and he introduced me also to Buddhism. So we did a practice, you know, and, and the practice in these two traditions are exactly the same. It's about understanding who you are and how you are operating from a shadow or from the idea that you are this, from a perception that is not real, that's not really truth. And this perception is based on the conditioning that you had when you were growing up. So um, the whole practice, for instance, in Buddhism, you have the practice of the breath, but it's called right now mindfulness. But mindfulness has four steps, and so you become aware of the breath. So that's how you become aware of the I. I am breathing. Then you become aware of your sensations. So you know that you are like there's something that you're feeling in the body. And then you become aware of your emotional body, which is what we were talking about the last few days. It's been very wavy. Emotions are very much like waves. And then at the very end, what can happen with time is that you start making connections and you have insights. There's something that happens that arises that what Jung called synchronicity. And it's when you can actually make sense of that shadow. So he, without even using the word shadow, uh, this, um, say, practice can bring the same result. Mm-mm, mm-mm. I mean, this is something I wanted to kind of explore um, towards well later on in the podcast is the kind of the uh, the sort of the the techniques and practices in a, in a, in a way that people can come to work with this information by or these ideas at least um, yeah so maybe I'll just go back to the lyrics of the song the opening line um, it says uh, so we came from the same source what ails you and for me this line what ails you uh, I mean, it was inspired by the Parsifal Arthurian legend. Uh, it is the grail question to bring to the Fisher King, what ails you? Um, and it's the sense to, to bring awareness, to start to bring awareness that, you know, all is not okay. The way, the way things are, the way I am, is not working. For whatever reason it is, it's leading me down um, pathways in life that I do not want to to go down but until I realize that it's just normal you know it's just life so there's a moment of that that revelation of awareness and bringing that that light of awareness to the question what ails you what ails you um and as we uh talked a little before this it's kind of bringing up what's the wound and uh you mentioned the myth of Chiron which I was intrigued to um explore a little. Yeah, this is a beautiful introduction because um, the wound, we can also call trauma, and trauma in Greek means suffering, wound. So there's this beautiful myth. Um, Chiron was, I'm just going to try to do it very fast, but Chiron was one, was one of those, uh, I don't know how many children that Saturn had, but he had way too many. And um, when he was conceived, uh, the female, I forgot her name, she, she acquired the form of a horse. She was a nymph. And uh, when he was born, half horse and half a human, as an immortal, she rejected him. So there was this wound that he grew up with, this vulnerability that he had, this sense 
knowing and not knowing why he felt rejected. So, but he sensed it. And so he had this vulnerability now. Time passed and Apollo took uh, care of him and taught him many different things, taught him astrology, taught, taught him some healing practices in which he was always capable of helping others. That's why he's also called the wounded healer because he was born with this wound. Now, the interesting part was that it came time passed and there was one day by accident he got injured with a um arrow that it was poisoned on one of his limbs his legs and so because he was an immortal he couldn't get uh healed and so that second wound the second arrow is what the buddha says is the one that we always hold on to so we are born with this vulnerability that we feel we don't feel enough we don't feel connected something happened and then through time there's certain things that happen when we're when we're young that remind us of that of that want and that wound sometimes becomes even bigger and we start believing that we are this person with that wound so the whole idea and the process is to become aware that one you're not the second wound that that's like reminding you that something is like i don't know painful and the first wound is just a perception and there is a process in astrology where you actually integrated at a certain moment but it requires some steps that i can go later about it so it's about um integrating the one now how did chiron actually uh, integrated the one mythologically well he arrived to a place where he couldn't tolerate the pain anymore so he saw that prometheus was being punished on a tree for having given fire to the humans <laughs> And uh, he was being, he had his liver wide open and he was being eaten by the liver by a bird every day. So he had this idea, why, why can't I just give him my immortality so he's free? And by doing that, he made a deal in the Olympus and he was given the possibility to become one of the constellations. So he's the constellation of Centaurus and he's liberated. So there's a moment we can actually liberate ourselves from that pain. So that's the myth. I like to uh, pick up on something when you started talking about when we identify with that wound and that kind of like that part often is referred to as the ego when we start to over identify with the beliefs with the conditioning with the things from the wound so maybe we can talk a little bit more around that part as well yeah for me it's very important to get the definition about ego and the self because unfortunately the ego has had like very bad rep and the uh, ego comes from the word ego in greek means i and so ego means i am and so it, this is the first perception that we have or rather this is the first awareness that we have as a human being that we are so without the ego there's no perception of of that i am here now the self is the unconscious and this is what Jung called like you know you integrate the shadow by becoming aware of your perceptions of what you are feeling in that moment which is not really true whatever happens is is in the moment it's like what i'm feeling and most of the times what we're feeling is coming from a memory before so that's why when we become aware and and awareness is probably the most important part of shadow work integration when you become aware that you are in pain you can start having a path towards integration but until you don't know that this is a pain how do you know what you can uh, heal or integrate 
So the ego, as is used, unfortunately, over and over, people say, oh, you have too much ego. It's like, well, excuse me. I mean, how do you want me to perceive? Maybe it is too much. It's because I'm projecting or identifying too much with the pain or with this perception of what I'm not. But at the very end, the ego is our lens. This is how we see the world. Yeah. yeah I mean, this is kind of loops around to what I was, that what ails you in that in that way is like that's the moment bringing that question is the moment where it's like okay this this ego has become a bit of a dysfunctional distortion rather than you know a tool of interfacing with the world but i i is i mean it's one of these things that again it's it's very um it's like a an obvious a truism but you know we're unconscious of what we're unconscious about up we're blind to our blind spots and until something in life brings up a, a mirror a reflection a um a kind of a challenge to our just like you, you know as you say like ego has a bad rep because people just generally think of it in this sort of sort of self-involved egoistic like i'm just acting for myself but you know, the, the, there's not the necessarily uh, a sense that you realize that until someone points it out to you, and or or something circumstance points it out to you, and you go, oh wow, yeah, like actually this isn't a, uh, a very healthy way of being in the world. Um, Where the yeah. other functions as the mirror, almost. Absolutely, and that's why everything is relational. So relationships are super important. Now we think of relationships like you know here in America or United States, Valentine's Day. It's only like relationships. It's people always talking about the other as the lover, but they don't understand that the other can be a thing, or it can be a situation. So when we start understanding that we can also project even into ourselves, because if I like I don't have currently a relationship with somebody so my relationship is with me day to day but relationships are basically the best way to work with our shadow <laughs> not necessarily the least painful but they are really there so it's it's about how to seeing the the other uh, serves as a placeholder for the reflection or projection of ourselves mm. Mm. That's beautifully said. Perfect. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. Yeah, I mean, it's something that me and Ebony being in a kind of a, a working <laughs> working relationship from almost the outset of coming together. Um, I think that's been a real boiling pot of bringing things to the surface, and um, you know that we, we it took us just like years of just kind of committing to to the practice of that. The um, well, I guess first again, like realizing that it could be used as a a practice, like a crucible of uh, becoming of of growth, rather than just like conflict. You know that there was a place that could be worked to beyond that conflict. And I I think that's why our work also has such a focus on that kind of like the constant transformation, the constant kind of like creative process, because we we literally get it mirrored back so quickly on a day-to-day -day basis. And then through that, it also brings really kind of like, well, beautiful insights and inspiration, which then gets put back into the music and work we create. It's beautiful. Can I see something? It's beautiful that you as a 
creative duo, but also as a partnership, you have that awareness that uh, the age, yeah, I mean, I'm double your age, you guys, um, <laughs> that you have it at that time is just something that I admire a lot. I didn't have that when I was your age in, in my relationships, but that was my path. I'm not looking back and saying like, boo-hoo, that happened to me, but it was, I, I arrived to a different place uh, through the pain of being in relationships where we were projecting one another to the point that we had to separate like horribly because um, I felt at one point that I had lost myself, not even my ego, myself. There was no more me at all. And so I decided through all these practices, like, oh, okay, I know, I know a little bit about all this. I do have to practice it fully so I can integrate myself. And I feel that I am pretty much there right now, but I kind of love the idea that, you know, I know you both together and separately and, and I know that you're working through it and it's just so beautiful to see that not only you're doing it on a personal but here we are we're talking about it and, and you're putting it out there through your creative work and this is like so beautiful so beautiful to watch yeah it feels really for us I would say that it's like the next step it's a new chapter this feels really fresh for both of us and I think we're both we didn't really do that before as much but we're going to come from a very kind of like individuated mode of expression from like both of our perspectives and opening up more or at least more so <laughs> getting there getting towards it i mean for me i think it's realizing that everything in life is like that sense of all of life being the dojo it's like you bring that level of awareness um and again, it's something I try to express in the lyrics of the song, but this idea that you can consecrate and choose, you know, it's like the, 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 the holy um, adversary that in, in whatever it is, whatever challenge, it can be used as something to, to work with yourself, work with yourself on. And I think, so this is like a shadow work 101, but looking at what triggers you, and I think this is very interesting because we almost live in a culture that is like trigger fetishism. You know, it's like everybody's just spending their time. I don't, it's, it's a, it feels very indulgent, but I guess it's unconscious in a way that it's like people, um, well, it's like you're addicted to being triggered. Like, I feel like that's how a lot of like social media con content is like looking to be <laughs> outraged and engaged. I would say it also comes from a very reactive way of being. We're a very reactive society because also we react very heavily to the outside world, which in that sense, mm -hmm. if you understand the shadow, is also a shadow. But to become more kind of like, we'll have to, like once you become integrated or when you move more close towards that, we start to respond with like, you leave room there to kind of like, okay, wait, what's happening? You observe what's happening instead of like, oh, it's this person that's, that, that is doing this to me. You take a moment and you ask yourself, oh, that's what I do. Wait a minute. What is really going on right here? And what is it trying to show me or tell me? And it is almost as if we have forgotten how to read the world kind of like from a more symbolic level 
we take almost like everything is too literal, too literal taken, and we become reactive to that. Like a, I always like to think of it as when a dog is just barking at itself in front of a mirror. That's how I. That's a beautiful symbolic kind of like image for that. What I mean. I love that you're saying that because um, when I started my Buddhist practices years ago, all people would come to me and, and it was like, you know, people are meditating, but not so openly, especially in New York. Uh, it became a fad afterwards. It became like, oh, I'm a meditator. But there was this thing about like trying to convey what was it that I was doing. And it, it just literally went from like, I want to go from reaction to response. And this is in the process of becoming aware of me through my breath. I can, I can have sensations because the sensations. This is interesting. This is a funny thing. It's like I did not understand anything about felt sense until like probably five years ago because I skipped that. I'm like, yeah, well, I'll do that later. And then I'm like, ooh, emotions because I'm a very emotional person. So I was like, ooh, emotions. And then I loved Jung since I was little. So I was like, ooh, insights. We're gonna go there. And only when I started doing somatic practice a few years ago, I was like, oh felt sense mm. oh, okay i get it so you take so many layers yes mm. i mean this is something that i think there's a lot to explore into um because you know a big part for my past i don't know how long it's been year, year yeah about a year's process has been actually again doing what feels like the work the real work of bringing it back into the body and i think that initial uh bypass essentially it's like spiritual bypass whatever you want to phrase it as is like going to the intellect going to the concepts and they're fascinating and you can know them all and feel like oh i, I know this but actually and then i think this again is this notion that history repeats itself because we're like we know history at like a level of facts and da 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 but actually to go into the well yeah, the somatic, the embodied, the, the trauma, like the horror show of history and actually process it in, in, in a way that is embodied. I heard someone also, I don't know who it was, but sort of say the unconscious is the body or the body holds the unconscious. I don't fully really understand mm. the whole of these premises as something I'm learning about and exploring. And, and, you know, I feel like I'm just scratching at the surface in my own. Um, so you yeah. You will experience. say the experience in itself is what it is, uh, the practice. It is the experience. It's not the thought or the mm. ideal or the mm. concept or the projection of an idea. It is mm. actually when you feel it and mm. you sense it and you can identify it mm. as something that is happening inside of you. Uh, we, we use labeling at the beginning. This is the way it feels when I'm, I'm angry. This is the way it feels when I'm not um, comfortable. Um, and, uh, and when you become aware of that, because you're actually repeating it to yourself and you're, be and you're saying it to the body and the body's becoming aware of it, this is really the first step to move mm. into that phase of integration. I, wanted to, I know that you want to keep it like that, but I wanted to see something. Mm -hmm. Kick me out if you want. Uh, I wanted to say something about duration and process and like, like there's stages. There's stages in everything. So there's like, um, and if I use, for instance, the circle of the 12 tribes or the 12 um, the signs of the zodiac, that they have a very archetypal meaning in the process. 
So you start with one that is the I and you end with spirit that is 12 and they're all the stages. <clears throat> and so seven will be you because I'm aware of you. I went through the whole me, mine, my idea, safety. Oh, I want to play. Oh, humility. Then you, us, ideals. Oh, society. And now it's like, oh, we, the people. And now back to the source or God. So th this process takes time. And as you know, we need to experience time in this lifetime to get into those processes. So I wanted to point something that goes back to Chiron or, or how to integrate this in the process of time. Um, in the first podcast, you spoke about Saturn returns. And this is a very important part of a process of integration because when we do the Saturn return, it's one of the first cycles that allows us to understand that we are reality we create and we are part of that reality alone in, in ourselves. So the second step will be how, what are the second steps that you're going to do in order to get to where I am right now? I'm going to have my second Saturn return in four weeks. So there's a whole process of integration afterwards where you get into other levels, other levels of understanding. Not that I am, I have a better view or different. It's just like the way I have been able to integrate it, as I shared before, it was through the pain of a relationship. Mm -hmm. But now, for instance, you've done both the Saturn return and you have come to this awareness. So the challenges and the experiences that you're going to go through are probably very different than mine. And I am enjoyed to just know that your generation has more potential right now to this awakening because I had to wait until I was in my mid fifties and I'm fine with waiting with all this white hair. I'm fine. But it is, <laughs> it is also, I want to say this because it's important. Yes. There's a lot of projection in society. Yes. There's a lot of like, um, I don't know, like badness or something, but there's so much light as well. Mm -hmm. Mm. There's so much like I see you and I see other people that I know. It's like oh, I'm hopeful and I'm optimistic. Mm. I'm not like oh we're yeah we're all gonna die, not <laughs> like that. <laughs> so, just wanted to share. That. I, I really like what you say there, and it's almost like the shadow becomes harsher as soon as more light comes in. So how I look at it from a symbolic kind of perspective, what we see coming up right now within the world and within ourselves is kind of like everything we have suppressed within ourselves and as humanity. And it is all coming up now and faster than before. And we can either choose, no, I don't want to see you right now. I will deal with it later, but it will come back and it will come back and it will come back. Or you can say, okay, let's sit with me. And let's go deeper and ask questions and connect, like truly connect with the, the inner self. Yeah. So the Saturn return, um, I think is something for me personally was a moment again of bringing that light of awareness, that reflection. Um, Ebony had been exploring astrology for a, uh, maybe a few years already. And I kind of, you know, lovingly uh, acknowledged that it meant something to her, but didn't really take any interest in it until having uh, gone through a period of time of just feeling like everything was falling apart around me and um, all my sense of like self, um, 
yeah, just kind of like uh, security even in myself. Um, yeah, deconstructing all that. And then Ebony showed me a text about the Saturn return. And again, as a as a mirror, as something outside of me just reflecting back to me, I was like, wow, this is really how I've uh, been feeling for the past few years. So that, I guess, then gave, um, uh, um, how do you say, like a... <clears throat> well, pointers for me to actually go into and and reflect deeply on, and as you said, like start looking at how I can integrate and learn from these aspects. And just to confuse you a little bit, that's how we met. It is indeed, indeed. It was your curiosity to to make sense of something mythological and astrological. And I, I think I'm trying to remember, like you mentioned uh, the book of uh, Dharna's uh, Cosmos and Psyche. Um, and, and then we started having conversations and then it went to, you know, to the friendship that we have, but it was, it was the, that's what I remember. It was your keen interest in, in astrology or, or trying to make sense of it that led to this friendship somehow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this kind of brings me to a point that I wanted to talk about, that this sense that the outside mirrors the in, inner. And, you know, on, on like a, a certain, uh, how do you say, secular kind of flat level, it's like, well, no, that's outside of me. Like I, and you talked about the limits of the skin. It's like this, uh, this body, this encapsulation, it, it ends here. And I, I, I've struggled with it i guess still do struggle with it it feels like a bit of a glib new agey like aphorism where it's like what you dislike in another person is just a reflection of what you're kind of repressing in yourself and uh, well that word repression uh, i feel also is very um kind of key terms in relating to the shadow what you're um repressing and perhaps not even knowing you're repressing again the unconscious is unconscious. You're not aware of it. Um, yeah, so I'm just, there was maybe a question there, but I've just... <laughs> but this brings back to what Ebony was talking about, the triggers, because there's a there's a moment of awareness, like, oh, okay, this is happening. Not necessarily you know that it is happening to me and you, the mirror, are showing it, but it's like wow, what's trigger? You call somebody, you go like, oh, I had a fight or like this, can you believe this happened to me even? And this is interesting. Sometimes we're able to do the shadow work if we were just to change slightly the way we speak because we become aware of it, but because we're so used to blaming or, and I say blaming is part of the projection. So we are expecting something, somebody to take care of that. And at the very end, you know, if we're going back to, trauma and different steps and how like right now is becoming so important in our culture to understand really what trauma is um at the very end there's all everything comes back to this disconnection this connection to our emotional body that we were not given the opportunity when we were little because our parents didn't know our great-grandparents didn't like a whole culture didn't know civilization we've been war after war like really depleting our needs like emotional needs because we're just pointing to something that is outside of ourselves so it's going to take some time and i see a lot of light right now because i see a lot of people really eagerly wanting to work with the shadow 
whether they don't even know that it's a shadow. I see a lot of people wanting to work with their trauma. They don't even know that it is called trauma. It doesn't matter. Those are labels. But the most important thing is the willingness that the human being has in order to integrate the pain. Because at the very end, nobody wants to live in pain. Who wants to like go, oh, I want to have a painful life? No, I don't. But what do I do? So you see that um, some people are more capable of, um, and this is going to go, no. I'm going to stop there because this is going to go down the rabbit hole of narcissism, which is like another thing that I don't want to talk about right now, but it's awareness and lack of awareness. There's, there's that. Yeah, I really like that. And it reminds me of, as you said, like from when we didn't have that room to connect with the emotions when we were smaller and maybe we have been met in life with harsh situations or anything else that kind of like it hardens our heart or puts like a armor around our heart and in that sense what i when we talk about it is like we're almost we're gonna have to go through a softening because we are as people especially in the west in um such like a logical place of being like we're coming very much from the like the, the intellect but we have to get the heart and the intellect together in some some sort of balance but it is like that softening of the heart is a big process of that journey as well and i wanted to just go back to like have a really nice blake quote about what we just spoke about like the outside being so connected to the inside and he basically said um, all that you behold though it appears without it is within in your imagination of which this world of mortality is but a shadow and i really love that idea and that like as soon as you become aware of that understanding that it is so interconnected with each other i think it ties in nice to the lyric the enemy is you. Like you got to learn to love your enemy for the enemy is you. And when we understand that that situation is our own projection, we realize that we're fighting with shadows. And that's a kind of like the shadow boxing, which is like out in the world fighting, fighting the seeming other. But really what we're doing is we're fighting ourselves. And... From there, once that realization hits in, you come to that place of like, okay, I'm going to take responsibility because I know that I am the only one that can take responsibility for my experience. And I think that's a really beautiful process once you become realized because it's really empowering and moves towards that kind of like, you become more liberated, you become more free, you become more like just connected yeah, so from what Ebony said there of like the lyric, love your enemy, the in the song and just like the, the conceptualization that I've come to working with, there's this discernment of the inner voices, the voices that you kind of, you know, for for a long time, you're like, well, this is just me. And it's like, actually, well, no, there's, there's different characters within me. Um, and for me, the discernment or the realization the kind of the observation of the inner critic and then also the one that's criticized and having this interplay and yeah so it maybe isn't the best way of saying it but the inner critic 
feeling as 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 it was this adversary this this enemy um there's something that i i joke with myself um it might be very specific to growing up in the uk in the whenever it was the 2000 and you know seven eight nine but um the nme new musical express um was you know a magazine that i i read a lot as a, a teenager and it had this kind of hyperbolic tone like it would really big things up and then it would destroy them and it would it was like somehow i, I felt like my inner critic almost took on the voice of nme music journalists and then suddenly i found myself in the position in 1819 of being bigged up so on one side it like elevates you hypes you up makes you like oh you're you're the you, you know you're the hot sauce you're the big new thing in town and then you know it's also the criticism the crit oh you're this you're not that you're not that and so internalizing you know years later i realized uh, again my uh, my inner voices obviously you 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 learn them or they are learned through the experiences things you come into contact with my family has a particularly judgmental streak for for some reason it's just something that it's like um se separating itself from others by its judgment um so yeah so i think just looking into that and the learned belief systems again it's like as you're saying with time with maturity with a perspective you come to go well actually this isn't the truth this is just a way of looking at it that i've come become familiarized with or become habitualized um yeah so if you wanted to continue on that line yeah beautiful thank you for sharing that this is something um interesting because we can relate to a couple of archetypes here so um so let's go with the criticism i like the word critic um it, it's relating to the root of crisis crisis in greek means decision so when we're when we're faced with decisions, we have two ways of doing them, you know, not two, but, um, but we're used to like discriminating and labeling things to right and wrong, good or bad. And that brings us back to like clinging to the good, rejecting the bad. So this already, this exercise of energy where you're like allowing, you're like receiving, but also you're like pushing away. So when you become critical, in a sense, there's a little bit of judgment because you don't want something in, or you want that thing to happen to be perfect. So there's this like project. Oops, sorry, I should have taken. Why do you do that? <laughs> so there's this sense of uh, projection. And so when you are projecting um, like an outcome, you are expecting. So there's no time in the now. So the crisis or the decision that it has to be made is something that if you use the difference between discernment and discrimination, there is no judgment in discernment. So this is like a, this is like we're all placed every day with decisions that we have to make. So let's say that I have to make a decision about something, and if I go like, oh my God, I have to do this, but it's so bad, it's so bad. I'm already putting so much weight in this decision because I'm already labeling as something that is not right, that is wrong, that is not perfect. So they're already, I haven't even started dealing with a decision. I'm already drowning in criticism, inner criticism, because it comes from a place of like not feeling connected 
to your truth because you're labeling yourself as not perfect. You're not here. You're projecting your future self to be this perfect person. But because it is a projection, it never will happen because you're always in this constant trying to refine. And I like the word refinement. And this, all this has to do with the Virgo archetype. It's like there is the virgin that is supposed to be perfect, pure, but there's no such a thing. If we take every moment in our lives as the purity, that will be it. The purity of this moment is in the now. It could be it could be ugly, it could be dirty, or it could be crystalline. It doesn't matter. So we use um, we use um, the criticism as a mechanism of protection from some sort of disconnection to the now. So I'm not saying I come also from a very critical family. My goodness, my mom, she was always yes, no, bad, good. And me, that I'm like the other way around, like no boundaries. I used to beat my eyes like that and go like, why is everything has to be wrong or right? Like, I want to be in the middle. So then I, I did not have any discernment at all. So then I ended up having, I mean, if you tell me, I mean, if I tell my friends, my boyfriends and everything, people, my mom was like, do you know how to choose people? I was like, why should I choose? Like, I don't have no discernment. So I had the contrary. I had to learn in life to use discernment to take care of myself but you for some reason want to choose the inner critic in you because that's protecting you from something that you don't feel safe it's the same it's the same road only that you choose one part of the criticism the the, the crisis i chose the the one i'm not going to have any oh God, i'm not going to have any boundaries i chose that uh, but it's a choice and it's a choice based on like how you were brought up um, three of the people in my family are overcritical. Two were just like hippies. We don't care. But now, but now in this part of my life, I'm integrating because I see the value in being critical. I now see the value in being critical. But I don't say, I don't use the discrimination part. I use the discernment part. So I became really good friends with that discernment. We need to be critical. Otherwise, we don't make good choices. I really like that what you say there and I just want to bring that that is that is the sound of like a healthy ego and just to go back to the ego like it's not the idea that we should get rid of the ego because in, in the beginning it's kind of like a kind of like a, not a weak ego but not as mature as it could be and once it's more mature it actually can become a really good partner with you to be able to navigate the outside world if you have like, because even when we talk about to soften up, to open up, to unconditionally love, but to be able to do that, you really need to know your inner self and what you stand for and what you believe in and not being afraid to voice those things. And like what you said, have your boundaries, have your have as much clarity about what's important for you, because otherwise it's like, well, it would be it would be completely out of balance as well. Mm, mm, mm. With um, the whole sense of shadow work, it's not to uh, get rid of anything; it's to bring it all forward and to take it into a fullness, um, an awareness of like a, a complete being. Um, there's a line that I heard someone say somewhere that I always love because uh, it's just it's a, such a poetic image of wearing your wearing one shadow like a majestic midnight cloak 
is like, yeah, I, I own this. I'm aware of it. And I know how to work with it in a way that is effective, is useful, rather than it kind of, again, it's like the traumatized ego persona running the show rather than who you are, the essence of who you are. Um, yeah. So can I add something because um, about mm -hmm. belief systems? So belief systems are social constructs. And we all have different social constructs and they're because, oh, like, for instance, if we believe in the same thing or we like the same thing, we kind of gather together every, I don't know, every uh, week and we do this thing that we like to do together. And there's a moment that we need to get organized. So then somebody says, oh, I'm going to ask for the money so we can pay for this uh, place. And then the place becomes the temple. And then the thing that we like the most becomes the ritual. And then one day one day to the another you have a religion and this is really what happens it's not good or bad it's just the way that we are meant to be socializing that's why it's a social construct and then so that's like a very sagittarius jupiterian um trait where you are looking for something that really fulfills you and gives you a philosophy of life it gives you this I don't know, like um, the hunger that you have for like knowledge and exploration, it's there. But then when it becomes like so system, like a system and it becomes organized, this is Capricorn Saturn goes like, whoa, we have to organize this, it has to be a schedule, we have to make a limitation. And it also, it's all part of that. It's just understanding that these things can also change with time. So what I used to believe in, I no longer, it's not that I, I dumped all that, but I remember just adding to my artist statement, few years ago it's like I'm no longer a seeker of truth I embody my own perspective because at this point this perspective changes every day all the time and I'm so open to explore the new because I lived many years fixed that this is me and until I was like oh this is not really true I mean I just I just stayed so like square with this that even when I wanted to change my mind, I couldn't because I was embarrassed of like, accepting that uh, that I was not that person anymore. So the truth is something that it changes. And for me, the truth is in the now. The truth is it's like this moment right now is true to me, but it doesn't mean that tomorrow I'm going to be holding on to. So holding on to the truth makes us suffer a lot, a lot. Because we believe that we are the belief system, but we're not. We're just perceiving something. So changing changing positions is very important. I just finished a very big piece for the East Boston Police Department where I make these hanging sculptures. And I want the persons to go around the room so they can perceive the piece differently. There's no such a place like this is perfect. Depends if you want to look from, up, from the second floor, from the first floor, from up, from down. And the ability to that I can give people to move around, that's actually the piece. The piece is like, if you change your perception, you can actually listen to things differently, see differently, and maybe you can create a dialogue. And dialogue is very important for shadow work um, because you can see and listen to things in a different way. And that for me, is really fundamental for integration of the shadow, changing perspectives. Yeah, we move towards the future in a constant flux. And the idea to, to be able to remain open and to, because being here, being here in this body, and also this ties in with being present. You are constantly present with what's going on and happening because the landscape and the archetypes are changing every time. Like we're in a big change right now. So we will be dealing with a lot of new 
things that will come to the surface again. It's not like, oh, I've dealt with my shadow work now, it's all done and over. I I, I believe this process is ongoing till till the so-called end of your life. But that's why we're here. We have to be present to see what shows up and then we have to bring it to the table and be able to talk about it like in an open space and not where people get kind of like uh, super sensitive about things. No, we need to be able to actually let's face the muckers, let's face the good, let's face everything that life will offer us and communicate about it. And yeah. And you do it with courage. Courage is yep. one of the most important things that a warrior, the warrior is the eye, because it's like uh, the warrior only knows himself or herself because it's there protecting. And what is it that is protecting? It's protecting his or her domain, however it's feeling it. And so when you have the courage to go to the new, it feels weird. Uh, it feels unsafe, but you've got to do it because if you don't get out of that um, comfort zone, you will never grow. And this is what Jung talk about in, in the process of individuation. Jung was like amazing because he had like astrological amazing chart. It's a lot of areas, a lot of like me, but a lot of like group dynamics of like Aquarius and Uranus, the collective. So he always talks about the collective, but he says you cannot do the work for the collective if you have not come into terms with your own pain, your own trauma. If you don't integrate the anima and the animals, and that's going back to the question you had before, Ellery, about like, what is the trinity? That is the trinity. It's like, I see the light, I project in somewhere, there's a shadow, and then when I am aware of that, what emerges, that's the trinity. That's why we are here as um, electromagnetic bodies, and we are synthesizing day and night everything with our perceptions with our ideals, with our senses, and with our emotions. So the idea is like how to recognize them differently because our senses are very different than our emotions and our emotions and our perceptions are based on those emotions. So when we're fighting, like when you see people fighting online and you know, this is not their emotions, it's their perceptions, it's their belief systems that are fighting. You know, you see all this cancel court, no, it's not the truth. And you see this cancel culture. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I made a joke with Zoom where I put my name. Do you see what it reads? This is just a joke that I do all the time because every time here in the United States, I, I do a lot of Zooms with people that I work with and they all have this all this gender thing, which I mean, no offense, but I don't want to divide myself that way. And they're asking me, how do you identify yourself? And I'm like, oh, that's a difficult question. Well, I'm a joyous human being. I mean, I, I just don't want to identify myself with the gender. And this is that's why we're suffering so much, because we're dividing ourselves so much by identifying with something fixed and not understanding that we are in constant flux, as you say, Evelyn. Mm -hmm. So we're um, approaching around about an hour of conversation. Um, we're going to go further and uh, it'll be shared with our patrons and subscribers to the podcast to bring things to a close i wanted to just bring up or reflect on any practices and actual techniques of working with the shadow i mean for me i think within this conversation sort of the first stage awareness and then we talk about reactivity and response 
And it's that space between reactivity and response, which is the awareness, which is the, you know, the, the, the key piece, like as a particularly reactive person trying to become less reactive in life, um, the practice of actually going, I don't need to respond right away. You know, it doesn't come naturally. Finding finding that space, that, that comes as a practice in itself, but then obviously things, meditation and just kind of a uh, reflective practice, so journaling and just kind of working with these things. And then, I mean, we touched on it, but the whole avenue towards uh, embodiment, somatic practices, actually feeling how the feeling feels in the body and becoming accustomed to that, even if it's dis, uh, uncomfortable, if there's discomfort there. So, yeah. Yeah, I, um, I I say something. I took that from the work of Byron Katie. Uh, she she calls it the work. I did it years ago, but it, it really sums up through everything. Um, integrating shadow, I do it constantly all the time and become aware of it. And the first question that I do when it's uncomfortable, I actually acknowledge that I'm not in a comfortable place. And I say to myself, is this true, Monica? Is this true in this moment? So I have, uh, since the pandemic, uh, where I started being alone, because I used to have roommates and a lot of people around, uh, I took, took the joy of integrating all my inner child and I recuperated 18 Monicas. I mean, that's a lot of Monicas. So we live together. Oh, and I'm always having a conference call or sitting down and just talking about how it feels. So by asking myself all the time, is it true? There's always a little part of me that comes and goes, yeah, but this and this. And I go, well, let's, let's feel that. And so I make a space specifically in my house where I hold space for me. I make it into a space because sometimes like as you go to a church or you go to a specific place, uh, the place or the situation is impregnated with an energy. So I know that if I'm not feeling okay, I will go there immediately. I start already knowing what to do as a prompt. So the question is, is this true? And there's a little stories and stories and stories that are t- until I calm myself down and I started feeling. And at times it takes days for me to be able to integrate, depending on the level of the shadow and the trigger and the trauma. This week I had a huge trauma. I'm not going to go through it. And I know it's going to take some time. I'm in the morning right now. I'm like really accepting a lot of stuff that I thought that they were gone. They're not gone. And I was I was going crazy for the last two days. And now I'm like, okay, but I know it's going to take some few more days. I don't know, probably weeks, but I'm waiting to do it in real time. So you can do the whole scope is to be able to do shadow work in real time. And as you say, remove yourself to say, especially when you are with people and you're about to answer something really nasty, you go, this is making me very uncomfortable. I have to leave. I'll be back. It's going to take me some time for this wave to, to reach like calm. And when I come back, I'll be able to talk because what we used to is just like killing each other with words and then saying things that we mostly regret. I'm guilty about that. I was like really good at like insulting people. Oh my God. Have a, (laughs) and then it's like, oh, then you have to apologize. I mean, apart from the pain, then you have to come back and apologize. And you're like, oh God, this is adding another layer to the trauma. So I just wanted to end this part with this. It's like done a lot of work with Gabor Mate. 
so he's a he's a like a cultural phenomenon right now and i think that he's really doing a, a, along with other men like peter levine and Bessel van den Gogh. i mean it's like it's a group of people been working a lot about trauma so there's certain techniques and basically what he points back is to somatic therapy and somatic therapy the soma is the body so it's just about becoming aware of the body now in his workshops he always starts the workshops talking about the buddha so that's why i started the whole thing about going to becoming aware with the breath becoming aware of our sensations becoming aware of our emotions and getting insights and it's a process it takes time and it takes observation that's the last thing i wanted to say in the projection when you're observing your third yourself from a third point of view you can integrate. If you're still on the point A of like, I am the thesis, and then the B is I'm on the antithesis, there's no synthesis until you go to the third point. That's why it's a trinity. Yeah, that's something I've been working with also a lot. It's like the, you know, it's between the third that bridges the two polarities. Um, it seems to be the reoccurring um, way forwards always uh, okay is there anything you'd like to say ebony as like closing remarks before we go into the second hour yeah well i would say personally for me journaling as well has been really really helpful or just kind of like making that like a daily practice but then what we just spoke about and um i don't really have that reactivity because i I'm quite an observing person, so I take a moment before I respond. But what I have been really kind of like working on is my way of communicating, understanding that I can communicate things in a different way or communicate better so things become more clear. And it's actually quite interesting how that came to being because my sister started like she has two children and from there on I just got a lot of like even from that situation happening there were so many kind of like lessons and shadow things kind of like coming up but then how do we how do we communicate with the child do we make them feel safe do we make them feel hurt do we make them feel kind of like uh do they know that we're there for them no matter what but that's the same that we will need with others like in in my relationship with Ellery for example like when we have a miscommunication it's either one is not hearing the other or one doesn't feel heard so to really allow that space and create that space to make ourselves more clear and bring that clarity uh and but yeah that kind of like the the trinity for me is I've been looking a lot into non like non-dual teachings and for me, it's always, I move through life to remind her, like, the, the kind of, like, the true essence of our being is unconditioned awareness, unconditioned consciousness. And people come from a place when they, we don't, we don't know what's going on within someone. So to be able to hold that space and actually, like, oh... Why did this person honk at me at the car? Maybe, maybe like they're going through something. Maybe their mother died. Maybe something else. You, like we don't know, and people are not that open to express. But then to always remind, well, actually, 
the truth of our being is unconditioned awareness, but we've gathered all these, like I like to look at it as a dirty window, that the window has, the vision has become so clouded. And every day we have to show up again to clean it, to clean it until we reach a point of clarity where it becomes that embodied knowing of what you feel and know what you truly are. But again, like that window might stay clear for a few weeks and it, it can still catch dirt again. So we have to always be present and aware to to be ready to kind of like, okay, wait, I have to, I have to clean it again. I mean, it's a constant practice. Um, but I, I like what you say there, it just points towards a note that I had of, you know, what's the, the point of doing shadow work? What's the goal? What, what, what is, you know, why are we... Why are we talking about this? Why is it something worthwhile? And for me, the understanding is really, as Ebony is saying, is I've had moments where I feel like I am acting and embodying my essence, or at least closer to my essence. And within that is a sort of spontaneous joy. Um, and the sense of liberation, you know, it's like the, the whole thing, Nirvana, the the great liberation to come. As I understand it, the great liberation is to be who you truly are, not the distorted uh, persona that you've learned to be to navigate a world. Um, so, yeah, so that's how I would <laughs> end this. I don't, Monica, is there less words on this and then we'll, we'll tie this up. Beautiful, both of you, beautiful, because... Um... The essence is to be able to liberate ourselves from trauma, from pain, so we can live an authentic life, which means to be being true to who you are, not what your parents or, or lovers or whatever are expecting from you or you are expecting from yourself. So that recognition and acceptance, and acceptance is a lot of work as well because it's surrendering to what is. I'm not saying don't do anything, but just accept who you are in the best possible ways, because when you accept who you are, the amount of joy that you, that it can emanate from your being, it's endless. And it's like kind and it's full of humility and it's full of generosity. And it's full, all the virtues can emanate from that sense of being present in who you are. So there is, there are steps. And again, it's not, there's no like end to liberation. We are evolving. And this is all in duration. We're feeling it and, and going towards uh, that place of going back to source. But it does, you can see the results if you're like looking for results, they happen. And you when you see them, you're like, oh my God, I just like was able to integrate that shadow. So for me, that is a sense of joy. And 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 I also feel that sense of love as well. And love is a very big word. So I use more like the kindness that my heart can feel in a moment. It's just always expressed with this like, radiance is like full of light yeah full of light so yeah thank you you can access the second hour by joining our patreon community or becoming a paid subscriber on substack thank you thank you thank you, thank you.